Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. This week we talked about Isadora Duncan. We sure did. (laughs) So um, I have a particular affinity for Isadora Duncan because, as you know, I studied dance as a kid all the way up through college. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, I went to a ballet school when I was a kid that was a little bit serious, right? Like, while my friends were having recitals that involved frilly costumes and stuff, mine was pink tights, black leotards. It's about technique. There was no, like, froof in our recitals. Um, (laughs) We eventually got to wear flowers in our hair, and that was, like, big news. Um, Uh Simple two flowers. So I remember as a kid who was... um, I truly loved ballet, and I still do, but I also had that part of me that was like, wouldn't it be cool if we could wear not a black leotard and pink tights every single time? And I remember having a history of dance book and seeing pictures of Isadora Duncan in those chiffon robes that just draped and like her yeah. little her little leotard that matched the color of her skin underneath and nothing else and thinking like that uh-huh. looked amazing and she doesn't have shoes on what is this um so i have like a weird my childhood romance with her definitely informs my ongoing interest in her story yeah even though um our website does not have a place to have pictures anymore i still get pictures for episodes as much as possible um, and I was looking through all these Isadora Duncan pictures, and in a lot of them, I was like, is this too revealing? Should, <laughs> should we actually put it anywhere? So you can imagine what was going on in 1906 when she was dressing like that. Yeah. She also is interesting. It's it's hard, right? This was a two-part episode, and even so, I had to cut out some stuff that I really found exciting and enthralling, right? Like, she had clothes made for her by Paul Poiret, um, because you could see where their aesthetics completely overlapped. Oh, sure. Um, And he also made uh, a little dress for her daughter Deirdre at one point that, like, she talks about, like, the embroidery on these little frills and how Deirdre just felt like the fanciest kid in the world when she wore them. And she also uh, met Alistair Crowley at one point. Crowley wrote about her uh, when she was kind of getting into her mysticism phase, which is all pretty interesting. Um, And like I said, I really, really adore, I I love her memoir. It's so fascinating and fun to read. Some of it gets a little confusing because, like I said, she never calls Paris Singer by his name. She always calls him Lohengrin. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so initially, the first time I read it, she was just, in a lot of places, she just does L, period. And I'm like, who is this L person? And I'm <laughs> backtracking through it. I'm like, is is that the same person? Is this? Them? And I'm cross-referencing. The other thing is she includes no dates. She is freewheeling in that that thing. So you have to, like, look at another biography or other, like, newspaper accounts and be like, all right, in this year, she was in this city. Now I see what's going on here. Uh, the timeline is a little bit tricky. Um, I have another quote from her from the book that didn't really fit anywhere <laughs> in the episode, but it is about her relationships with her lovers and how she viewed them, and I just loved it. She wrote, as a parenthesis, you may notice in this autobiography that I have always been faithful to my loves and, in fact, would probably never have left any of them if they had been faithful to me. 
For just as I once loved them, I love them still and forever. If I have parted from so many, I can only blame the fickleness of men and the cruelty of fate. <laughs> Which I sort of love. I also feel like this is her, on a subconscious level, rebelling against her mother. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, hated her father after they broke up and said yeah, nothing yeah. but horrible things. And she's like, no, I, I love all of my exes. We stay close forever. I don't live like my mom. I'm different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. There seems like uh, an interesting family dynamic there that we didn't explore a ton of in the episode, but with her relationship with her mother and her relationships with her siblings and, yeah. Yeah, they really were like, they kind of loved their own little insular world. Dora, I will say, I have only ever seen one photograph of her and she was breathtakingly beautiful. Um, You can see where Isadora Duncan got her looks. For my money, at least in that picture, Dora is even even more striking than her daughter. Uh, It is interesting that her mom kind of raised her to be this freewheeling spirit, but then, like, still had those those limitations and her own cultural mores that she was like, no, 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 not, not that free-spirited. Back it up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Too free-spirited, too free-spirited. I don't. Right, right. It is really interesting to me that her, I mean, her mother clearly had her own baggage. Everyone does. Uh, That when Augustine met a young woman and got married and essentially broke up their magical family circle, her mom was really angry about the whole thing. Yeah. Like, she describes her as being very betrayed and feeling like, you know, Augustine had turned his back on them, even though he was still very much in their lives, which is just a, um, a, a, as you said, there's a, a lot of family dynamic to unpluck from <laughs> this whole I story. think, you know, some therapy might, <laughs> might have sure. been warranted for everyone. All of them could, I mean... You know, we we were not in a time when that would have been readily available for everyone or even viewed in an appropriate manner. Um, it is. There are moments reading her, her books. She says on occasion some very strange racist things about dance and dance from Africa, which I did oh, not get into. Because yeah. that is like a whole other weird raft. Um I feel like her entire life is kind of dictated by the fact that she was incredibly confident, but clearly, to my mind anyway, was also driven by this constant need for validation. As much as she was like, I don't care about anyone else's rules. Like, she clearly wanted people to like her and like her art. Mm-hmm. And I I am forever fascinated by the psychology of that and how it drives people to behave. Uh, yeah, her writing about her kids is very moving. Uh, pictures of her with her children. I mean, she obviously was a very devoted, dedicated mother. Uh, you know, she was at that point in a position where Singer was paying for her to have things like nannies, but she was still very hands-on with her kids. She talked about how, you know, she did what anybody who loses someone tragically does, where you backtrack and go, if I had made this decision differently, if I had made this decision differently. Like one of her, I don't know if it was the same nanny or or someone else that worked in their household had said early in the day, oh, like the weather isn't great. Do you think the kids should go out? She was like, oh, of course, they should go have lunch with Patrick's father. And mm-hmm. And she blamed herself forever for that. She talks about it over and over in her book 
after that tragedy that she thinks about that conversation again, um, which is, I can't imagine carrying that around. She never really recovered from that. I don't know how anyone would be expected to, but... No. Uh, yeah, that is the sad, beautiful, enthralling, strange story of Isadora Duncan, uh, who I loved as a child. Did I never got into modern dance until I was in college, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> and then I loved it. Um... But yeah, I was a bunhead up until that point. And so it was very freeing and lovely. Uh, and I do encourage you, go look at videos of that have been recorded of, of the people who have passed down her choreography and danced it today. And then think about how that would have looked to people in the early 1900s who were really pretty much like exposed to ballet as a form of professional dance. Sure, yeah. And you'll be like, whoa! <laughs> Because even by today's standards, there are people who are like, I don't I don't get this. This isn't for me. Um, and then to consider how completely dramatically different it was from everything that had gone before, you realize how she changed the the entire landscape of dance as a profession. I'm going to end this one by just thinking about all of the fun stories of her as a kid being very, very precocious. And, very and knocking on doors. Knocking on Will doors. You send your baby to my dance school. Right. Ye- yelling to other kids that the things they believed in were not real and um, lying to people that she was a teenager when she was not so that she could charge them more money as a professional teacher. I love all of this. <laughs> uh, so that that is our little uh, discourse on Isadora Duncan. And I hope that people now understand that she was a lot more than that one horrible day in September of 1947. Uh, I hope everyone has a, a wonderful weekend. If you uh, get some time off, I hope you enjoy it and get some rest and take care of yourself and stay safe. We will be right back here next week to talk about more stuff. Uh, and we hope you are too. If you'd like to subscribe in the meantime, do that on the iHeartRadio app at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 